Okay, Parshat Yitro, Tavshinai and Zion, sponsored by friends of David Wicks, Zichronol of Rachani's memory, Lilui Nishmat David ben Mordechai Shmuel, Zichronol of Okay, now everybody probably remembers that there is some sort of machloket that exists about the chronology of Parashat Yitro. And that machlokas has to do with the question of when did Yitro come? When did Yitro come to the camp of B'nai Yisrael? And more specifically, was it before Matan Torah? Or was it after Matan Torah? Now you know that uh, uh, the story of Matan Torah begins in Perik Yutet. And the beginning of Yitro is Perik Yutchet. So if you look at the first pasuk in Yitro, Vayishma Yitro Kohen Midyan, right, Vayishma Yitro Kohen Midyan, Kotein Moshe, like if you were reading this pasuk, you know, very, very intently, you would, uh, you would imagine that the fact that they call him Kohen Midyan, that the Torah calls him Kohen Midyan, sort of means that he was not apprised of the Torah, or he did not as yet accept the Torah, whatever. Well, why call him Kohen Midyan? But Rashi focuses on the question of What was it that he heard that made him come? That made him come. Answer, Kriyat Yam so now, if you read the parashiyot at the end of B'Shalach, or towards the, like, starting from the middle of B'Shalach, you have Kriyat Yam Suf, Shirat Hayam, the man, the story about the man, and finally, Milchemet Amalek. So if you say that what he heard was Milchemet Amalek, Kriyat Yam Suf, Milchemet Amalek, it sounds like you're saying that Yitro came before Matan Torah, which is not mentioned in the Rashi. It doesn't say anything about Matan Torah. And so this, uh, this problem bothered the Ramban a lot. The Ramban could not absorb the idea that uh, the Torah was written non-chronologically. And as we look at the Ramban at the bottom of the page, I mean, I know that uh, I'm short-circuiting Rashi here, but uh, we'll get to it. Right, and the quote here is from the Mechilta. The Mechilta, you know, is the uh, halachic medrash on Shmot. The word Mechilta probably means, or usually is taken to mean, measurements. Because the end, the second half of the book of Shemot, which is more halachic than the first half of the book of Shemot, is about the Mishkan. You know, how you build the Mishkan, how you make the various kalim, etc., which could be certainly uh, uh, seen as being halachic. So the Ramban says this, Nechleku Rabotenu, right, in the Mechilta and in the Gemara Zvachim, usually people call it the Gemara Zvachim, Right, 
Because the, the Rabban presents the material as a machloket. Two opinions. Two opinions that even though there's not much evidence for either opinion, it was the Torah doesn't really say anything about the question. However, Vizevadai Yistayea Min Hakatuv, this idea that Yitro came after Matan Torah, is probably fortified by the Pasuk, which says, Vayavo Yitro Chotein Moshe. That's Pasuk Hey. If you look above, look above, above, above. Right, you see that? So, why is that a raya? Hine Amashaba, a love. Hine Amar. I'm going to get back to the Ramban. Hinei Amar, Sheba Elav Bechanoto Lifnei Har Sinai, Shechanu Sham Shana Achat. After all, they were encamped in, at Har Sinai for an entire year. For an entire year, they came, they came at the beginning of Sivan, and they stayed for a year. Shana Achat. Vizetam. And that's what the Pasuk means, that, Yosef, that Yidro came to the place where they were camped. They were camped for a whole year. So obviously he must have come after Matan Torah, because Matan Torah happened immediately, pretty, pretty much immediately after they came to Har Sinai. And so if the Torah says Yitro came to the place where they were camped, it must be that they were there, that was after Matan Torah. The Ode, another proof. Right, Chukeha Elokim is where it said that Moshe Rabbeinu, remember Yitro came to Moshe Rabbeinu, and he said, what are you doing? You're going to like, you're going to have a nervous breakdown because you are judging the people all day and all night. You're rendering judgment. So, uh, so he says, Moshe uh, Rabbeinu uh, said, Hodati et elokim ve'etorotav. I teach them chukeha elokim ve'etorotav. Right? Sheheim hanetunim lo bahar sinai. Where did these Chukei Elohim come from? What, what, what could Moshe Rabbeinu possibly be talking about if not the laws that are contained in the Torah? And the laws that are contained in the Torah, Moshe Rabbeinu learned them on Har Sinai, the 40 days and 40 nights in which he learned, he learned the Torah. Shehem anetunim lo bahar Sinai. Va'od, a third proof. Kikan omar vayishlach Moshe et chotno that, that the first, one of the first references that we have to Yitro in the parasha is that Moshe Rabbeinu sent him back to where he came from, right? And that was in the end of the second year, right? That this is confirmed by what it says in Parshat Ba'alotcha, which is the beginning of Ba'midbar, right? Ba'midbar noso Ba'alotcha. 
the third par the third parasha, uh, Parashat Baalot Chai, where it says, Vayoma Moshe lechovav ben Ruel. The chovav ben Ruel is Yitro, Hamedini, Chotein Moshe, Nos Imanachnu. We're we're moving on. So that he could have said to him only at the end of two years, which is kind of an indirect way of saying that, you know, he must have come after Matan Torah. Again, he was there, he was there for a long time. V'sham katuv v'yomer elav lo elech ki im el artsi ven moladeti elech v'hi alicha ktuva bekan v'yelech lo el artsozo uh, uh, what it says in Baalotcha parallels what it says here in the parasha of Yitro that he went back to his the land from which he came. The Odevirayad. Furthermore, they bring proof these these other people, right? Proof for what that Yitro came after Matan Torah, right? All of these things are the proofs that are brought for the contention that Yitro came to the camp of Israel. After Matan Torah, after Matan Torah, so he says, "Kemosha Amar beParashat Baalotchan." I lost the place. V'sham Katuv Ayom Elav Lo Elech Kiem Elatziv El Moladeti Elech V'yalichak Tuva Bekan V'yelech Lo El Artzo. So now I am on the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh line. Right in the middle, there's a colon. The old Heviuraya, Mimashe Amar Hakatuf, from the Posuk that says, Hashem Elokeinu, Dibere Lenu Bechorev Le Morav Lacham Shevet Baharaze, Pinu Usulachem, that God told Bene Israel to move on, right? To leave Har Sinai. Visham, in the beginning of the Varim Nemar, Vomar Lechem Baetahi Le Mor, Lo Uchalevadisa Eit Etchem. And then Moshe Rabbeinu is telling the story. So he said, at that time when God told me to move on, to move away from Har Sinai and move in the direction of Eretz Yisrael, so I said, I said at that time, I said at that time, Lo I can't bear the burden of the people. What burden? Right, that I took all these clever people, you know, college graduates, and I made them judges, and they helped me out. They were my assistants in this judgment. So when was the atzat yitro given? It must have been given just before they moved, and just before they moved was after two years spent at Har Sinai. So it's unlikely. So that's the first story that we have about Yitro in the parish of Yitro. Therefore, it would seem reasonable to say that Yitro came, he showed up after, after Matan Torah, not before Matan Torah, Visham, another, another Pasuk, Katuv and Asami Chorev, Kinas U Miyad. They immediately left Chorev when God told them to move. Vim Kainitz Derech Tam. In Cain, so it was, here's the Ramban, and now the Ramban is talking for the Ramban. The Ramban says, look, I know that there is all this, there's, there's this litany, this list of proofs that indicate, that seem to indicate that, that the Yitro came to join the Jewish people after the Torah was given. Right? After the Torah was given. He quotes all of the various psukim that 
directly or indirectly seem to indicate that position as being correct. Right? This is the Rabban. This is the Rabban. And then he says, MK, he says like, it's almost like tongue in cheek, if you could imagine a Rishon having a tongue in his cheek. So he says, MK, tam lama makdima parashah laktuva bekan. He says, we don't understand why uh, this parsha is written, like the parsha of Yitro. Yitro comes, is Perik Yud Chet and Shemot. And Matan Torah starts in Perik Yud Tet and Shemot. So if it's so obvious to everybody that Yitro came after Matan Torah, how come the Torah puts it in in the wrong place? That's the Ramban. That's the Ramban. Rabbi Avraham. This is the Ibn Ezra, right, who is, uh, as we pointed out, a, a primary parashan in the eyes of the Ramban. Right, even though we don't learn the Ibn Ezra so much, I don't mean we, you and me, but I mean in, uh, in Jewish educational centers like Yeshivot, you know, nobody at Yeshiva ever looks at the Ramban <coughs> for some obvious reason. He says, the reason that Yitro is put in is because of the story of the war against Amalek. Because when the Torah tells us about the war against Amalek at the end of the parasha of B'Shalach, right, last week's parasha, V'tziva, and the parsha ends with a tzivui, with a command, with a directive that we should take to heart our obligation for punishing the Amalekites. So this became an appropriate place. This is the Ibn Ezra, right? Remember Ibn Ezra? He says, therefore, the story of Yitro is a story about a non-Jew who was good for the Jews, as opposed to Amalek, who was bad for the Jews. So it's sort of like a nice thing to do, right? That the 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 Ibnezer. The Ibnezer accepts the question. He says, if it's true that Yitro came after Matan Torah, how come the Torah puts him here in the uh, in this in this place here? It reminds us that sometimes the non-Jew can do us a, you know, a big favor. Yitro, he did us a big favor. In order to teach us that we owe him, we owe, we owe Yitro, and we should make sure to compensate him appropriately. And he says, remember, when we go to do battle against Amalek, who did battle against Amalek? Shaul. When we go to do battle against Amalek, even though the Kani, the Kani who are the descendants of Yitro, who were kind of mished in with them, they were mixed in with them, but we should, 
try to be very careful about punishing the Amalekites and not B'nai Kaini. If he comes after about the Torah, how do you get the Torah? How what? If he comes after about the Torah, then it tells us that the entire Torah we have now is not given at Sinai. Why? Which is what? Why? Because how we get the Torah? The Torah is given and then he comes after the Torah is given. Right. So it's, it, it boggles the imagination to think that the Torah on Sinai carries everything all through uh, going into Egypt, I think that's some of the Rambam talks about that. Well, once again, I, I, didn't, I still didn't understand. He comes after Matatora. He comes. That's the simplest way of saying it. He comes after Matatora. Yeah. How did he get the Torah? How did he get the Torah? No, he didn't get the Torah. What? It's already been given. He didn't get the Torah. How, what do you mean, how did he get the it? The Torah's already been given. So the Torah has to be things that happen in the future. Oh, that's what you mean. Where are you talking about Yitro? You could talk about Bilob, you could talk about Korah, you could talk about everything. No, that's not the, that's not the, when we say, when we say that Moshe Rabbeinu received the entire Torah of the 40 days or 40 nights that he was up on Har Sinai, what we probably mean is that he received all the mitzvot and the Torah was never the Torah of Alpeh. And this, what you call the, the parsha of Yitro, or the parsha of Korach, that Moshe Rabbeinu received during the 38 years in the desert. And if it's historical, it happened, the, the, the learning of the parsha was after it happened, and not before it happened. That's, uh, I think that, that that's clear. But here he says, what? If he had, if he had received the entire Torah up front, the Muslim would have been the back afterwards, because Muslim would have known. It would have, yeah. If Muslim would have been the back up front, and then years later, Muslim would have been the back. He said, oh, I assume he's the back at that point, you know, so. Look, I don't like to talk too much about things that I don't know about, even though, you know, everybody does that. But I took a haircut today, so I have got it out of my system. I don't have to do it anymore. So, at least not today. So, uh, uh, look, I, I, don't, I don't know, but, you know, it's like the Rambam says. The Rambam said it best. He said, if uh, God knows what's going to happen, how can you say that there's free will? Rambam's question, famous question, and his famous answer is, some things you don't understand. That's the way it is. You know, you, you, can't, you can't test everything by our understanding. Some things are, by, are beyond us. So, here we are. Now, I'm five lines from the bottom. Who devar Shaul, shamar lahem kain, v'imkol zeh ani sho'el. So here the Rambam, finally, he's like gonna express himself. I mean, this is not the, what I have here in the sheet, is not the entire Ramban. It's a very long Ramban that goes through, and I sort of condensed it. But here he says, I mean, means if you want to know what the Ramban really said, you have to look it up. כי יוציא השם את ישראל ממצרים. ולמה לא אמר ששמע מה שעשה למשה לישראל במתן תורה? 
שהוא מהנפלאות הגדולות שנעשו להם. Even if you say, even if you say that Yitro is out of, like sort of in the wrong place in the Torah, and you say it's because of Milchemet Amalek, that the Amalekites were very bad guys, and Yitro was a very good guy, and therefore they're put together even though the chronology is not, is not really in place. But in this first pasuk, in the parasha of Yitro, which we saw, Right, so why doesn't it say What would be so terrible about that? It wouldn't bother anybody, so the chronology would be wrong, as much. You know, but the, the idea, the intention would be correct. And so that's what he says. That's what he says. How can you compare anything else to Matan Torah? And certainly if Matan Torah happened already, then Yitro would know about it. And by Yishma Yitro would certainly include Matan Torah. There's a Was there ever anything like Matan Torah? Did you ever hear about anything that compares to Matan Torah? Anybody else could say that they heard God speaking to them? This is the greatest miracle of all the miracles. Of all the miracles. Well, you know, okay, I want to tell you, remind you about the Ramban. What is the Ramban really talking about? What's the background? to trying to understand this Rambat. The background is simple. According to the Rambat, you know, there's a Gemara, there's a Gemara Psachim. The Gemara Psachim Dav Vav Omad Beis. The Gemara talks about chronology in the Torah. And the Gemara says, the Gemara says, I have to have a Chumash here. Uh, just one second. What? The, f- the first pasuk in Bamidbar, in the book of Bamidbar, is right on the first day of Chodesh Sheni, Iyar. Right, Nisan, Iyar, Chodesh HaSheni, Bashena HaSheni, the second year, L'Tzaytam Me'eretz Mitzrayim Le'mor. So we have a date for the beginning of the book of Bamidbar. But then if you look further on in Bamidbar, further on in Bamidbar,
There's the story of Pesach Sheni. Remember Pesach Sheni? The people who were Tamei and couldn't bring a carbon Pesach on the 14th day of Nisan, they came to Moshe Rabbeinu and said, what should we do? Moshe Rabbeinu said, another month we'll have a do-over. We'll have a makeover of Korban Pesach and then you'll be able to participate. And, then, and so the Gemara in Pesachim talks about that because, you know, the Gemara eventually gets, not on Davav, but eventually gets to Korban Pesach. So the beginning of Perik Tet, right, the first Pesach we read was Perik Aleph, right? Now in Perik Tet, the first Pesach of Perik Tet says, Wait, the Be'ashem Moshem Vasinai, the second year after Yitziat Mitzrayim, Chodesh Harishon, Nisan. So that means in the first Pasuk of Babidbar, it says we're in Eon. And the first Pasuk in Perak Tet, which is about, the, about Pesach Sheni, the Pasuk says we are in Nisan. So Eon comes before Nisan. So the Gemara, the Gemara says, says, which properly translated means the Torah does not always, uh, uh, is not always careful with chronology. It has other concerns. And it doesn't, in chronology, generally speaking, there is a concern about chronology, right? Avraham comes before Yitzchak, Yitzchak comes before Yaakov, etc., etc., etc. But now and then, for whatever reason, there's no sense of chronology. Now there's a machloket rishonim. The machloket rishonim, I mean, even in the, the words of the Tanaim, whether that Gemara in Psachim can be applied liberally or not. Like I say, when I see there's a problem, sometimes they say, oh, the Gemara says, the Ramban disagrees. The Ramban says you can't use that principle of unless there's a hint in the text that it's like in the case that's quoted in the Gemara, where first you have Chodesh HaSheni, and after that you have Chodesh HaRishon. Is that clear? So that the Ramban is a very big chosid of the idea that the Torah is always chronological, even when, even when it seems to us to be problematic. And the only time you can say Ein Mukdam Muhammad Torah is the only time you can say Ein Mukdam Muhammad Torah is if the, the text of the Torah indicates as much, right? So the whole first part of the Ramban is a, an attempt to prove that there are no real indicators in the text. I mean, all of these things are, we put it in the category of remes. Didn't have to, it's not the necessary pshat that the Ramban quotes. And finally he says, finally he says, if the Torah wanted me to know that this was one of the cases where chronology doesn't count, that the Torah would have written by Yishmael Yitro and included Matan Torah. He would have included, and then we would know that this is one of the cases where there's no, where the chronology doesn't really count. So the Ramban, the Ramban is defending his own position, which is that you can't say, Ein Torah, you can't say that, 
unless there's a hint in the Torah that indicates that the Torah wants you to say it. If there's no real indicator, and in fact, if you can argue that there's a, a negative indicator, then you can't, then you, then you have to say, and that since Yitro, the story of Yitro comes before the story of Matan Torah, it must be that Yitro came to, uh, to the camp of Israel before Matan Torah and not after it, in spite of the fact that people claim that there are hints that indicate that he came after, <coughs> after Matan Torah. Now this machloket, this sort of machloket between whoever it is that the Ramban is talking about and the Ibn Ezra on one side and the Ramban on the other side is a machloket that is well known and that many commentaries have tried to deal with, try to prove one or the other, try to prove one or the other. And what I'd like to show you is how the Shemi Shmuel deals with this problem and what happened in the intervening 700 years you know, between the Ramban and the Shemesh Shmuel. So if you turn the page, I mean, there are a lot of words here on the printed page, but uh, we'll, we'll skip some of them. The first pasuk, Veishma Yitru al-Kol Asher Asav Gomer, Uberashi, Mashmiyash Amarba, Kriyat Yamsufu Mulchemet Amalek. Right? That's correct. We, we saw that in Rashi. Uberashi. And again, the Midrash Halakha to the book of Shemot, Tanaim. Midrash Halakha, Tanaim, the book of Shemot. Rabbi Yoshua Omer, Milchemet Amalek. Rabbi Elazar Modai Omer, Matan Torah. Rabbi Elazar Omer, Kriyati Yamsuf Shema Uba. Now, none of these positions are granted a proof. There's no proof. It's as though they were sitting around, the Tanaim, and they were saying, what could it have been that brought Yitro to the camp of Israel? Well, let's say it in a different way. What possible connection does Yitro have? Does Yitro have to, to the camp of Israel and Matan Torah? What possible connection is there? What does this mean? What does this mean? Kriyat Yamsuf. He's heard about Kriyat Yamsuf, so that's going to get him to live, leave his air-conditioned study with that nice soft couch that he sits in, with all those people who come to ask him advice because he knows a lot about a lot of things. I mean, what was it? I mean, okay, Kriyat Yamsuf, I mean, it was a big miracle, but it was over. It was the miracle of the past. And, and the Midianites were not involved in Yitziat Mitzrayim, to the best of my knowledge. It wasn't as though it was for them. It was for B'nai Israel. I mean, whatever it was, whatever the educational value of Yitziat Mitzrayim might have been, it was for B'nai Israel. They were the ones who were charged. What's it got to do with Yitro? I mean, you could say Yitro was a babysitter for his daughter and their children, and he brought them to Moshe Rabbeinu. I mean, some kind of like a, uh, a, a not very uh, profound uh, uh, enterprise. But that's a question. I mean, they're sitting around, these Tanaim, maybe even in the same room, and they're making suggestions. 
They may say they don't bring proof, proof texts. They just say, Matan Torah, Kriyati Amsuf, Havin. Here the Shemesh Shmuel. Shemesh Shmuel is the son of the Avne Nezer, right? The Sochachavar. What? Sochachavar. V'yeshel havid, alo v'forash b'katuv sh'shabat kol asher asah. V'emkei ma kashalu b'ma plige. He says it this way. He says it in a good way. He says, what does the Pesach say? V'yishma yitro, v'yishma yitro, et kol asher asah Hashem. Yitro heard the whole story. He was like, you know, CNN. He was getting it as it was happening, right? President Trump thinks CNN gets it before it happens. But if you have a little more faith in them than that, so as it's happening, you get it. So here, Yitro, he got it. He knew what happened. There was Kriyat Yamsov, all of these things happened. So the same Shmuel says, how come there's a machloket? There's, there's an obvious, there's an obvious pshat. Uh, 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 there's not a shot to the apostle. He heard everything. So how could how could uh, uh, Rabbi Lozah Modai say he heard Matan Torah? But he didn't hear about Kriyat Yamsuf, and he didn't hear about Milchemet Amalek, he didn't hear about the man. I mean, how could he say that? It says with favor, he heard everything. So that's the question as the Shemi Shmuel presents it. He says, how could it be that there's a machlokis on this matter? What was it that he heard? Because we know that he heard everything. It says in the Pesach. You see conveniently the highlighted letters are the, are the, are the quote from the Medrash. The Nebishaya, Lu Karata Shamayim Yeradata. Karata Shamayim. You split apart the heavens. Right, some pasuk, you know, these psukim never mean anything at first blush. Uvetargum uberadak sham shezen emar al matan Torah. Shaita az kriyat shamay. At the time of matan Torah, the heavens were ripped apart. The heavens were ripped apart. What does that mean? Ainyan al pimash shamati. Mikvot kodsho advi admor zatzetzal hu. The kemoshen emar yehira kia betocham. Like it says in Breshit, that God said, let there be, in English to say, a firmament. I must admit, for many years I didn't have a clue about what that might mean. And now I still don't. <laughs> but Arakia, there was some kind of a divider between the waters below and the waters above. And that divider is called Rakia, right? So he says, Rakia betoch ha-mayim, sh-rakia nikra shamayim, mavdil bein ha-mayim el-yonim, l-mayim etachtonim. It divides up the waters above and the waters below. Kein hu bechol inyanei ha-olam ha-el-yon v'olam ha-tachton. This is always true that there is the higher world and the lower world, and there's a barrier between them. Hashamayim mavdilim benehem, vein manichim And there has to be a permanent separation between the world below, that's us, and the world above. Akan 
Direi Torah That's my father. Torah Torah which comes from the upper world. Obvious. It's obvious in order to get the Torah from up there to down here, like we call that Matan Torah, right? That's what we call that. In order to get it from up there to down here, you have to rip a hole in the rakia, because otherwise, how would it get there? How would it get through? And that's what the pasuk in Yeshayahu is talking about. Just like this is true for the world in general, that's how God created the world, right? They made a rakia, and the rakia divides up the waters above and the borders below. This is also true. This is also like, like creation is a metaphor for humanity, for the way people are. And how are the people, right? Each individual person, Okay, seichel, leiv, right? Leiv is something that's more susceptible to desire, to, to interest, the things that sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. Whereas the seichel is pure, right? It's intelligence, the Greeks uh, thought of it. That, they, that, that the closest thing that we have to God is our intelligence, pure intelligence, like mathematics, very close to God, according to, according to the Greeks. Uh, the thing that goes around the heart, there's something that prevents the intelligence having an effect on the heart. When, when God gave the Torah to Israel, so just like there might be a moment at which the world above the rakia has to be connected to the world below the rakia, and that connection is going to be made by ripping a hole in whatever separates the, uh, the Torah above from the people who are waiting to receive the Torah. The same thing is true about man. The same thing is true about man, that man can undergo man slash woman, I mean, uh, whatever it is, can undergo, right, man slash woman can undergo a profound change whereby even though the Bnei Yisrael came encumbered to Har Sinai with two great transgressions, one was the transgression of Odom and Chava, right? And the other was the idea of Memtashari Tuma and Mitzrayim, that Bnei Yisrael basically were not worthy of receiving the Torah when they came to Har Sinai, right? They were not worthy. 
But this lack of worthiness was overcome by the fact that there was a rip in the personality of each and every person standing at Har Sinai in which the seichel, the pure uh, idea that the person has within him, overwhelmed the, the lave, the desire, the change, the thing that is harder for me to control. And as the Gemara says in Shabbos, right, that Aleph, the Gemara says that they were suddenly transformed into the people, or a people who were like Adam and Chava Lifneachet. Adam, that's the, in, in, in other words, I don't know what the mechanics are, but you will agree with me that Chazal seemed to think that there was a real problem. How is this motley ratak, ragtag group going to receive the Torah? I mean, what, what's the connection to Torah? They've been slaves for 210 years, instead of, as we've said in the past, instead of 400 years, because they, they just couldn't make it. They wouldn't make it for, for 400 years. So God uh, changed the date of the Exodus from 400 to 210. And, and, uh, uh, but still, what made them worthy of receiving the Torah? So, so it turns out, it turns out, according to this explanation of Shem Shmuel, what exactly did, did Yitro hear when he heard Matan Torah? If he heard Matan Torah, what exactly did he hear? He heard that these people can undergo a, a serious change and, and realign their personalities. And of course, every religious person who ever lived, and certainly that includes Yitro, according to Chazal. Yitro knew all the idolatries of the world, that he was the world's expert in uh, comparative religion. So anybody who's interested in religion is interested in this question. Can a person change? I mean, that's like, like a basic religious question, because all of the things that religious people do, all the things that religious people do are, are done for this, for this particular goal change. And so what is it that Yitro heard that, that they could change? That Matan Torah implied a change. And because Matan Torah implied a change, he wanted to be with Matan Torah. So now we don't know exactly when Ravalosa Modai said they heard Matan Torah. Does that mean that it was after Vav Sivan? Or does it mean that he heard that they were going to get the Torah? which was much more unbelievable than Kriyat Yamsuf and Muhammad Amalek. This was really, this was really un, un, unbelievable. Now listen to this. Kitsur HaDvarim. Kitsur HaDvarim, the next paragraph of the Shem Shmuel. I also, the Shem Shmuel is also com compressed a little bit. So if you look it up, it'll be longer. Sheshnehem Sovrim. He says, after all, Yitro was a non-Jew, and he, he didn't have any method of purifying himself. So there's Omek Hara, the, the evil is, is in him. He, as we know, the, the Kabbalah, Yitro is from, came from Kain, and Kain. And that's why he's called Kaini. 
Kina de Mistaba, he's the Kayan who's the filthy and dirty and Tamei, right? Kayan, Kayan, you remember Kayan? He killed Hevel for no apparent reason. In other words, it's hard to imagine what his logic was, Kayan. You know, like, I guess it was like, if the, as long as there's a choice, he felt God would always choose Hevel. But if there was no choice, then God would have no other possibility than to choose Kayan, which, you know, today I think would not be considered good thinking. Lo haya nakel kol so Yitro knew that he couldn't transform himself easily. How's he going to change? But he needed this great light from Seichel, from his intelligence. Because his heart was atum. It was... Uh, what? Blocked. Yeah, okay, blocked. It's not a, it's a better word. Atum umechuseh, it's covered up. It's like, it's like, uh, you can't penetrate it. B'mechseh chazak ma'od. Shelo yavshol avor ha'arata seichel el aleiv. It was impossible to move the understanding of seichel, of intelligence, into the, into the heart. Into the heart. Uh, right, Milchemet Amalek. That's Rabbi Yoshua. Milchemet Amalek was helpful. Yoshua was the sword of Yoshua, which which changed things. So a person has these, these are the weapons which you use in order to change who you are. Right? Right? prayers by requests by my supplication who rips off that which is covering his heart the stopping up the heart and covering it up so you get the idea? The idea is, the idea is that, that uh, uh, Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi Yoshua said, Milchemet Amalek, that somehow the war against Amalek accomplished the same purpose. It created a change in the personality of Am Yisrael, which enabled Am Yisrael to go and stand before the, the Har Sinai and receive the Torah. <coughs> so by Yishma Yitro, according to the Shem Yishmuel, he goes through 
all the possibilities. According to Shem Yishmuel, Vayishma Yitro is nothing to do with chronology. It has nothing to do with what he heard and what he didn't hear. Vayishma, the word Vayishma, even though he doesn't say it, the word Vayishma often means in Hebrew to understand, not just to hear, but to, but to understand deeply, to understand deeply. And, and Yitro was a religious person. He was a religious person, which I think means that he was looking for a way to, I mean, that's what, what do religious people do? They look for ways to emphasize the spiritual nature in them over the practical, physical, human kind of nature that everybody also has. And that's what's called religion. And people who are religious, people who are religious who do the right thing uh, in the religious sense, are often frustrated because they don't get to that level <coughs> of understanding. They don't get to, they don't really feel generally that they are uh, on a spiritual journey, that they have, that they're able to kind of control their spirituality and emphasize it over other aspects of them, of their personality. This is, this I think, you know, even though I haven't done a critical study, this I think is obvious to all religious people. I mean, unless they are silly, which is possible. So people who are religious are looking for ways to emphasize the seichel over the lave, using those two concepts, not, you know, in a poetic way, but to specifically mean seichel is intelligence. The closest thing we can come to understanding about God is intelligence, and the lave is the, the chamri part, the, the, the pragmatic part of the human existence, which often leads us away from spiritual concerns and interests. So what Yitro heard that made him come was that there was a spiritual option for anyone who joined up with the community of B'nai Yisrael. And that spiritual option that spiritual option you could find in Kriyat Yamsuv, in Muhammad Amalek, in Matan Torah, in the Man, in everything, everything that was happening to B'nai Yisrael to enable them to become worthy of receiving the Torah. Receiving the Torah, remember, took 38 years in the desert. It wasn't like they received the Torah at Har Sinai. It may be that Moshe Rabbeinu received the Torah in a manner of speaking at Ar Sinai, not the history, but the mitzvot, the, the Torah that pre-existed the creation, Moshe Rabbeinu probably received at Ar Sinai, but not, not the, the history. So here's Yitro, and Yitro realizes, Yitro realizes that there's an opportunity for the religious person in the world. So the Torah doesn't tell us what the Vayishma refers to in terms of an event, because the word Vayishma here means understanding. Yitro understood what was going on. And because he understood what was going on, he decided to come and join Am Yisrael in the hope that he too would be affected. He too would be affected by, by what was going on. Eventually, in the parish of Baalotcha, as we saw in, uh, when we read the Ramban, uh, Yitro turns around and leaves. And he goes back uh, 
to the place that he came from. And Rashi says, Rashi says, Yitro explains that Yitro realizes, realized that even though he was involved in this spiritual renewal, so to speak, he was, uh, he could not maintain his connection to Am Yisrael because he did not participate in Yitziat Mitzrayim. And since he did not participate in Yitziat Mitzrayim, the halacha is that he would not inherit the land in Eretz Yisrael. He wouldn't, have, he wouldn't be an inheritor. And because he was not an inheritor, he had this kind of limited spiritual gain from what was, what was going on. You know that the children of Yitro, Chever HaKeini, were given, uh, when they came to Eretz Yisrael, were given Dushna Shal Yericho, the, uh, the beautiful land around the city of Yericho for 400 years, 410 years, until the Beit HaMikdash was built. When the Beit HaMikdash was built, the land that the Beit HaMikdash was built upon was usurped from, whose land was it? Yehuda and Binyamin. Yehuda and Binyamin was usurped from Yehuda and Binyamin. And that land, Tushnot Shel Yericho, was given to them in exchange. The first exchange of land in Eretz Yisrael, right? So Tushnot Shel Yericho, which until that time was populated by the children of Hever HaKeini, of Yitro, who didn't have the right to land in Eretz Yisrael, but they were kind of renters. But after the Beit HaMikdash was built, after the Beit HaMikdash was built, Dushna Shel Yericho passed over to Yehuda and Binyamin, who had given up part of their land, right, their land to, for the Beit HaMikdash, which then, which then became the property of Klal Yisrael, not of a Shevet, but of all of the Jews. All of the Jewish people had this property called the Beit, ha, Beit HaMikdash, Yehuda and Binyamin got Dushla Shal Yericho and Hever Akeni apparently disappeared more or less at that time. Have a good Shabbos. Dushla Shal Yericho.